Yeah, I, I agree. Um, how do I say it? I, things coming in my mind, there's so many different things. Uh, budget is really good exercise, right? It's uh, a lot of times this is a new experience. So you, like entrepreneurs, founder, they don't know where to draw the line. Like, is that 10,000 too much, too little? Uh, what should we think about? And copying over somebody's is a very dangerous exercise. Obviously, if you go to any website and a combinator or whatnot, tons of safe, you know, post-run evaluation, it seems like it's you can just lift it and use it. However, what attorneys spend the most time is learning about the client business, right? Everyone is just slightly different. Their risk, uh, you know, filters are very different. The valves that you need to throttle up and down are all different, right? And how the data is intersected, they're all different. So you pay their time to really learn about your business and strategize, it's almost like a legal strategy, right? Even though it's a very cookie cutter, like a formation documents or safe documents or funding documents or really commercial uh, SaaS licensing documents, that subtlety is what you pay for. So just copying, pasting is a very dangerous uh, maneuver. And I can say that I have come across a number of CFOs playing pseudo attorneys as well. And that is not a good practice. I'm, I'm enough, I know enough to weigh in and I can instruct people like Catherine, right? Like I would like to structure this way so that we can mitigate, right? But actual red lines and actual legalese, I leave it up to professionals, attorneys. Absolutely, thank you, Jenny. And I really wanna echo that. I think just as how you wouldn't copy another company's code and just use it for your product, you need to customize it. Similarly for legal documents, you can't just take one and swap it out for one business for another. So really great points, everyone. Thank you so much. Um, I do want to keep us moving because we have a lot of ground to cover. So the next topic here is on funding. Um, and commercial agreements as it relates to funding. Um, and our first question here is, we're taking a little bit of a thinking outside the box approach. So when you think about non-traditional funding, so you know, not just a raising venture capital funds, how can commercial contracts facilitate the inflow of non-traditional funding? Jenny, we'll go to you first. Yeah, can you define non-traditional funding first for everyone? Yeah, so non-traditional funding is potentially, you know, a revenue share in a contract. It's a way of getting money in the door that's not, you know, uh, uh, venture capital financing, convertible debt financing, uh, things that we see more commonly. Um, and ideally, you know, it's, it's actual money that you're getting paid, not attached to anything. Um, yeah, so these days, um, there's a lot of liquidity-driven um, funding events, right? So it's, a, it's not novel. Those things existed. And these days people package it better. That's how I see it. So RevShare, for instance, you are a US, um, let's say B2B SaaS company, and you have a very predictable revenue streams and collections, right? And why don't you leverage that? Because it is an asset. In US GAAP sense, asset is defined as a future economic benefit, right? So if you're a SaaS company, and if you have a future streams of revenue, that becomes your asset, and therefore you hang it on the balance sheet, right? I explained this um, to people. So let's say you have a 120,000 